This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. We know that the federal throne speech will pass, and the Trudeau Liberals can thank the Bloc Québécois for that. Leader Yves-Francois Blanchette has indicated his MPs will vote in favor, although they don't fully support it. So the first test of confidence for the minority Liberals will pass. But there are concerns around the throne speech and the Liberals' vision for the coming session of Parliament. Some of those concerns are being voiced by the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Spokesperson Kevin Lacey joined me on Wednesday when I was filling in for Libby. Well, the throne speech missed the basic fundamentals of what's going on with average Canadians, which is they're seeing that the prices are going up on things they need. Uh, they're seeing that their pocketbook is being hit and they don't have enough money for the goods uh, to feed their family. And the Liberals have not done anything to address the rising costs uh, that are happening in the economy. And they don't mention anything about the fiscal situation of the government, which is quite dire. We do know that in terms of the relief spending all the way through the pandemic, they do want to lessen that with parliamentary approval. Does that not meet some of that criteria in reducing overall spending? Yeah, it's a step in the right direction. But the problem is is that inflation is running out of control. And one of the reasons why inflation is running out of control and people are seeing everything from eggs to milk to other products that they need going up in price is because the government has kept these pandemic measures for far too long. That's caused uh, this inflation crisis, which we're in, which is hurting average families. And I think one of the things that troubled us from the throne speech yesterday is that the government really didn't mention anything at all uh, about inflation, rising costs, or the problem with the fiscal situation of the government. So what is the answer, or I mean, what would you like to have seen? I think we would have liked to have seen from the throne speech uh, different priorities. You know, some of the things that are mentioned in the throne speech, it's hard to argue with, like improving Indigenous relations, um, you know, improving diversity and inclusiveness in Canada. I think it's hard to argue with those things. Uh, but we would also like to see a nod to the uh, pro- the financial problems that average Canadians are facing, those were ignored by the bu- by this throne speech. And I think what we'd like to see is the government to begin to um, get its fiscal house in order, pare back the amount of money that's in the economy to try to control that inflation, and also to start to reduce the taxes on Canadians so that they can afford the things that they need. Robin, let's go over to you. Robin Sears, crisis communications consultant, former NDP strategist. How big of a concern, um, or at least do you share the concerns that the Canadian Taxpayers Federation has pointed out? No, because I live in the real world. (laughs) Uh, I mean, in the real world, economists know that this is not a Canadian inflation crisis. It's a global inflation crisis. Energy prices are up 60% around the world, not just in Canada. The ability of the government to reduce 
gas taxes is zero. They will be going up to fight climate change. Um, the debt loads that right-wing economists and lobby groups um, have argued for years uh, are, are too heavy and are much too heavy now um, is simply a revelation of the paradox they find themselves trapped in. They can either argue for lowering debt or lowering taxes. You can't do both. Mm-hmm. And they don't, like, they don't want to choose between the two because they're separate audiences they're appealing to. I think the main reaction I have to the, to the throne speech is simply it was uh, vacuous even by throne speech standards. The, the dilemma for this government, I think, is that they can't say what they know they will have to do on climate change next. And they can't come up with new ideas to distract people's attention. So they simply repeat the campaign slogans over and over again. But if you look at the situation in British Columbia, for example, that will add $50 billion of public expenditures recovering from what's happened up to now. Um, that money is going to come from the public purse and therefore from taxpayers. These are realities. They're not, uh, you know, they're not this fantasy that you can maintain services, reduce inflation, reduce taxes, and reduce the debt all at the same time. That's just magic economics. Robin Sears, crisis communications consultant and former NDP strategist, and Kevin Lacey with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We here in Ontario are currently navigating a fourth wave of COVID-19. Every day, people are still dying after contracting the virus. At the same time, Canada's COVID vaccine rollout has been extended to kids 5 to 11. And this past Wednesday, Health Canada approved the Johnson & Johnson one-dose vaccine for people 18 and older. We also have the ongoing uptake of the booster shot for those residents currently eligible. In addition, the holidays are coming up. Hanukkah begins this evening and Christmas is less than four weeks. Weeks away. So what should families know and adhere to to be COVID cautious? On Wednesday, I was joined by two of our regular experts to discuss. Dr. Peter Uni, Scientific Director of Ontario's COVID-19 Science Advisory Table, and Dr. Susie Hota, Infectious Diseases Specialist and Medical Director of Infection Prevention and Control at the University Health Network. You know, I think we're, we're in the midst of, uh, of the wave, and if you want to call it a wave, at some point in time, I think we're going to have to back away from calling these waves, or we're going to run out of numbers, because <laughs> things may wax and wane, I think, for some period of time um, as the virus kind of adapts and, and we continue to improve on immunity within the population. What we're seeing right now, and don't get too excited about today's numbers looking a little bit lower than the last few days' numbers, because Tuesday tends to have slightly lower numbers for whatever reason of cases. Um, There is a bit of a periodicity. Um, But we are still seeing the seven-day average of cases, uh, daily cases in Ontario, increasing slightly. But the good news is the rate of increase seems to be slowing. So we're not going up as 
as uh, steeply or dramatically day by day as we were for a short period of time where mm. it was looking a bit troubling. Um, so, you know, it could be that we're starting to blend things by, you know, the different things that we're doing to try and mitigate the risk over time, which includes, you know, health units that are experiencing problems, actually instituting some restrictions for a short period of time to get things under control. And of course, what we'll be talking a little bit more about, the vaccine uh, changes. Okay, so we still have anywhere between 500, 600, 700 cases a day, and every day there are related deaths. What do we know about these people in terms of their vaccination status? We do know that the unvaccinated folks and the people who are not fully vaccinated, so they're, you know, in between getting their first and second dose of vaccine, are the ones that tend to be most affected by this pandemic. So the overall numbers are are mostly unvaccinated or partially vaccinated people, although you do still see some fully vaccinated folks that, you know, are in that group as well. But then when you look at hospitalizations and ICU admissions and deaths, you know, we're we're seeing more uh, of the unvaccinated being affected by the severity of the illness. So that's really the important point to get out there about how vaccines are protecting our society. They're keeping people less sick if they do happen to get exposed to COVID-19 and infected. Dr. Peter Uni, Scientific Director of Ontario's COVID-19 Science Advisory Table. Dr. Uni, thanks for your time again. How do you see where we're at in the fourth wave? Oh, look, um, we're... We continue just to be in a very wobbly um, uh, phase, but uh, we also continue to do the right thing. We just need to get a little bit better with it. I know I sound like a broken record. Wear your masks when you're indoors. Make sure, you know, if you're actually controlling an indoor space, like in a restaurant or so, that all your patrons really have their full vaccination. That's tremendously important and in addition you know what we can do right now is just try to optimize ventilation everywhere that's what we can do but we look much better than everywhere else in the world now you could say well it's so sad what's happening in europe and i agree with you that's little comfort but still you know we have a lot of liberties and it looks actually quite good but our numbers creep up so we really need to be careful so what are we doing better in ontario than in other parts of the world you mentioned europe what and and what could we improve on still? Oh, I think we're doing nearly everything better. So first of all, we haven't pretended the pandemic is over. No, there were a few months just before where some people in Europe said, hooray, you know, we have uh, so, so many people vaccinated. This is all over. And we kept saying here, uh-uh, it's not over. This is Delta. We still have too many people who are not vaccinated. It's a challenge. So uh, we're doing that right. Meaning also, you know, people continue to mask, even so with a bit less discipline. And and uh, we really have the vaccine certificates in place. That's the two things that right now are changing the game. It's not quite enough in places like uh, Algoma or so, uh, as we know. And we just need to uh, fiddle a bit there also with uh, with the capacity limits, etc. And I really hope that they get things there under control well. And it may be here too, you know, when I think about some restaurants that I've seen, I'm still a bit uneasy about uh, you know, a lot of people in there and, you know, things being quite chaotic. There we might need to do some fine-tuning in the future. Right now, we're still okay, sort of. But let's be alert and at the same time, let's enjoy our freedom. It will stay if we don't get ahead of ourselves. 
Dr. Peter Uni, Scientific Director of Ontario's COVID-19 Science Advisory Table, and Dr. Susie Hota, Infectious Diseases Specialist and Medical Director of Infection Prevention and Control at the University Health Network. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Coming up after the break, who is getting sick with COVID? Public Health Ontario releases a breakdown. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We learned this past week from Public Health Ontario, the majority of residents who require hospital care for COVID-19 are over the age of 60, with the highest proportion in their 80s. The same report also reveals that only nine fully vaccinated Ontarians under the age of 60 have been admitted to the ICU. Other data released from Public Health Ontario reveals there have been about 17,500 cases of COVID out of the 11 million residents who've been fully vaccinated with two doses. And when it comes to hospitalizations, the unvaccinated have made up 90% and 90% of related deaths, while breakthrough cases have accounted for 2.7% of hospitalizations and 3.3% of related deaths. For reaction to these numbers, Libby was joined on Thursday by Dr. Prabhat Jha, epidemiologist and faculty member at the Dalalana School of Public Health, and Dr. Gerald Evans, chair of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Queen's University and member of the Ontario Science Advisory Table. What I would underscore for people looking at these numbers is this is a, a tremendous effect of vaccination because without vaccination, those numbers would not look anywhere near as they do, even for uh, those that are uh, older individuals um, in, in Ontario um, if they weren't vaccinated. This is uh, showing you that vaccination um, really does work. It keeps people out of hospital. Uh, and, you know, if you look at 17,000 breakthroughs amongst 11 million, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist. It never, by the way, takes a rocket scientist because they know nothing about uh, <laughs> maybe stats and medicine to sort of show you that that's, a, that's really an incredible effect. And we, we know a lot about wh- why people end up in hospital who are older, uh, who may also coincidentally have uh, COVID-19, uh, and why it is that, uh, that they still um, ultimately can succumb as an outcome. Dr. Ja, what's your view of this? Uh, I think what Dr. Evans says is exactly right, that, uh, that we have a amazingly effective vaccine or a set of vaccines, they work much better and they're much stronger against severe disease, that's hospitalization uh, or death, than against infection. But even, even against infection, they're highly effective. They, uh, for people who are getting these so-called breakthrough infections, which I think is a terrible name, by the way, but uh, they, uh, they will have less severe disease more, they're less likely to transmit than if they were uninfected or if they were unvaccinated. So we have to come back saying COVID remains primarily a disease of the unvaccinated. Still in Ontario today, there are uh, roughly 200,000 by last count of Ontarians above age 50 or older that still have not got a vaccine. Now, this is the population that is getting hospitalized and sick. 
Dr. Evans, what do you think? Because we've seen evidence of waning immunity after six months, and in the circumstance, should we shorten the interval for a booster shot? Well, I think Dr. Jaws hit most of the big points, which is just get people vaccinated with at least two doses. That's going to be useful, and that's going to have the greatest impact. So no question about it. Where boosters lie a little bit is, is in exactly what he was mentioning, which is that you know elderly people, especially those who got their vaccine very early, so we're looking at congregate-setting people, they oftentimes had a short interval of three to four weeks. The durability of their response diminishes um, about six months out, and that's what the data from Israel has told us. Um, and those people should be a high priority, as are people who have inadequate responses or low immunogenicity response because of underlying conditions or medications they're taking. So the boosters right now really are aimed at those particular individuals. I like to call them third doses, not boosters, because it suggests somehow that two doses aren't helping. Um, And I also agree with breakthrough infections. I think it's a crappy term to use in in general. But that's where the third doses are sitting. But they're not as high a priority as it is to get more people fully vaccinated. But the challenge is that group that's still unvaccinated here in the province, these are the firm I, you can't call them vaccine hesitant anymore. These are people who are firmly lined up ideologically or whatever in not getting vaccines. And that's where our challenge lies. So in the meantime, to just have an impact on this very small number of people who are getting infections after two shots is to really aim our third shot strategy at the people who are high risk, elderly people with short intervals, vaccinated very early and or people who are immunosuppressed from an underlying condition or medications they're on. That's where third doses lie at the moment. Dr. Gerald Evans, chair of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Queen's University and a member of Ontario's COVID-19 science advisory table, and Dr. Prabhat Jha, epidemiologist and faculty member at the Dalalana School of Public Health. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. As if we don't have enough supply chain problems because of the pandemic, there is a warning from the trucking industry that thousands of Canadian truckers won't be vaccinated against COVID-19 by a deadline imposed by governments on both sides of the border. According to reports from trucking companies, the estimate is that up to 20 percent of the 120,000 Canadian truckers who regularly cross into the U.S. might not be vaccinated by the time the deadline arrives. If that happens, it would affect everything from fruit and vegetable imports to auto parts manufacturing. The question is, will we see what has happened in other areas where a looming deadline induced people to get their shots close to the deadline? Libby asked this of Dr. Jim Bookbinder, a professor in the Department of Management Services and director of the Waterloo Management of Integrated Manufacturing Systems Research Group at the University of Waterloo, and Stephen Leskowski, president of the Canadian Trucking Alliance. I think uh, we're reflective of society. You know, there are fleets of that have 100% of their drivers vaccinated, and as you mentioned uh, on the intro, 85 to 90%, and some of those that are that are lower. It's reflective of the region they operate, uh, where they draw from. Quite frankly, it's a reflection of our society uh, with regards to vaccination rates. Yeah, but 20% so, is higher than uh, we have almost 90% of people vaccinated here. So 20%, if if that estimate is correct, is higher you know if if we get down to 80 percent absolutely it will be slightly higher but i would think it's no it's no higher than other estimates in other areas of the population libby 
Mm, well, um, as we said, it is a little higher. So, um, um, you know, this this is a mandate that's coming from both governments, including the United States. So uh, we actually don't have the power to change it. Uh, what effect do you think it will have, Stephen? So, you know, this really isn't a trucking issue. Uh, it's a societal and a supply chain issue. Seventy uh, percent of the Canada-U.S. trade moves by truck, and that's pers- uh, in, in perspective, it's about $650 billion a year. And as you mentioned, it covers all aspects of, of society and, and what we consume and what we purchase uh, and what we produce here in, in from a manufacturing perspective. So the ramifications will be felt throughout the supply chain. And what we're asking governments on both sides of the border is to not just work with the trucking industry on both sides of the border, but also our customers understand the implications. We already know that our supply chain is fragile. Your listeners have already seen empty store shelves and have seen have seen that when they go to order uh, an appliance, that it's taking months as opposed to weeks to get that. And part of that, not all of it, but part of it is the, related to the driver shortage. So what we're saying is let's work together, uh, both all people in the supply chain, to find a date where there's less disruption. Let's move on to Dr. Jim Bookbinder. Uh, so uh, what's your view of what's happening in the supply chain right now? I mean, we are headed into the holiday season. We've been warned that, uh, you know, you might not get the gifts you want to buy. And uh, then, you know, winter. So a lot of our fresh, fresh food is coming from the United States. Yes, I, I think um, uh, you've uh, said it very well, and, and uh, Stephen uh, expressed uh, some of the issues very well indeed. Uh, I, I would just uh, say that, that uh, there aren't many options available to, to uh, companies to counteract this. If we're dealing with items that are non-perishable, then I would think um, an increase in the level of inventory, uh, if a store can build this up uh, in anticipation of the winter uh, storms and so on, then then um, uh, the retailers could could guard against uh, shortages of that type. But there's no doubt that that the the items that 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 are fresh and and, and need to be fresh, or we won't buy them. Uh, they're 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 going to be a little more uh, complicated, and and will will be in short supply and 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 at a higher price. Dr. Jim Bookbinder, professor in the Department of Management Studies and director of the Waterloo Management of Integrated Manufacturing Systems Research Group at the University of Waterloo, and Stephen Laskowski, president of the Canadian Trucking Alliance. I'm Jane Brown, and you're listening to the best of Fight Back. Coming up, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics. And we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Murray in Malton phoned with a suggestion on how to get unvaccinated truckers their shots. 
It was brought up earlier this year, and I can't remember. I told Steve it might have been when you, uh, all the factories, all the factory workers had to get vaccinated. But there's a truck driver on, and he says that he's a long hauler, and a lot of times he's back in Canada in the middle of the night, and he leaves early in the morning, and he didn't have an opportunity in that schedule to get a vaccine. So if they were to set it up at the border crossings, then those people that have that issue would be looked after. John from Tottenham called to talk about holiday shopping and the challenges consumers might face this year. I would like to add to this that uh, supply and demand is going... I'm in the trucking industry, and um, I see supply-demand chain going to be a problem for consumers because they're not getting what they want, and which is you know, a shortage, which drives the prices up. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of things that uh, you can't get. So it's going to have a bearing. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Steve Inberry, who phoned to talk about Ontario's optometrists and his opinion that they are not funded properly for OHIP-covered services. I'm a senior, and I've got a cataract, and I was told even before this walkout that it was going to be a year, you know, waiting to get it done. And then I've, I've had an appointment cancelled, with the optometrists, I don't complain with them. My problem is, how come there's been no increase since 1989? And look at all the f- governments we've had. And I just listened to the NDP critic there. Why didn't they say something when the Liberals were in charge before? This has been going on since 89. Sometimes you have to stop and say, hey, maybe we have to hold something back to get something when no one's listening to us. That does it for this week's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at fightbacklibby and call our Fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join us again next weekend when we'll round up the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.